0: trust the movement. I negate the chaos. Uplift the negative. I'll show up at the table again and again. Welcome to Grassroot Ohio. Conversations with everyday people working on important issues here in Columbus and all around Ohio. I'm Carolyn Harding, and today I'm talking with Lynn Anderson, Doug Fowler, and Dr. John Stoltz, activists and scientists researching the impact of unconventional shale gas extraction, fracking, in and around Youngstown and their findings on the academic research entitled, Assessing the Water Chemistry of Tributaries in the Mahoning River Watershed. Lynn Anderson is an artist and activist from Youngstown. In 2011, she began protecting her community against the toxic trespass of fracking waste, brought in for disposal into injection wells that former Governor Kasich and his administration's ODNR permitted to be drilled in and around Youngstown. When small earthquakes started on March 17 to 11 and culminated in a 4.0 earthquake on December 31, 2011, Lynn and other members of Occupy Youngstown raised the alarm and began to fight to get the DNL injection well closed down. She continued fighting with her group for the onslaught from 2012 through 2013, from fracking wells to pipelines. She's spoken out, organized, and helped mount a citizen's ballot initiative for nine election cycles to try to keep the land and water safe from fracking waste in her community and Ohio. Lynn is a founding member of the Youngstown Community Bill of Rights, a member of Frack Free Mahoning, board member of Trees Please, and CELDEF supporter. Doug Fowler has been a teacher for most of his life. He retired from the University of Wisconsin, Fox Valley, where he'd been a lecturer in astronomy and physics. In the mid-70s, he had studied geology at the University of Montana, and in the fall of 2018, he taught the mineralogy course at Youngstown State University. With this background, combined with a longtime interest in wild places, backpacking, and mountaineering, he considers himself a natural historian. He continues an association with University of Wisconsin by working with geology and astronomy students using lunar samples on loan from NASA as part of their educational program. He continues to watch the night sky on a regular basis and his interest in environmental education and activism is a natural complement to his lifelong interests. John Stoltz is a professor in the Department of Biological Sciences and director of the Center for Environmental Research and Education at Duquesne University. He received his BS degree from Fordham University and earned his PhD at Boston University in microbial ecology and evolution. He was an NRC postdoctoral fellow at the NASA Jet Propulsion Laboratory and the Department of Geology and Planetary Sciences. California Institute of Technology, and an NSF postdoctoral fellowship in plant biology in the biochemistry department at the University of Massachusetts, Amherst. His main interest, research interests are in microbial diversity, the microbial meta- metabolism of metals and metalloids, including arsenic, selenium, and nitrate, and water quality impacts of unconventional shale gas extraction, Dr. Stoltz has published 94 journal articles, 40 book chapters, and author-edited three books. Whew, that's a lot of bios right there. You all have a lot of experience under your belt. Thank you for being on Grassroot Ohio. I'm very interested to know how the three of you ended up working together. Lynn, why don't you just give us a little bit of a background of how this got started and how Doug and John got involved with your issue. Well, it's
1: all of our issue because it's threatening our drinking water and our land and our livability here in Youngstown, Ohio. And um, what happened is we had uh, three, uh, a 4.0 earthquake on December 31st, 2011, and that woke everybody up. Occupy Youngstown was still going, so um, when everybody rallied together to shut down this injection well that was in, you know, the industrial area of Youngstown, but it affected everybody for miles and miles. And we found out later that um, the owner of this injection well, DNL Ben Lupo, was dumping into the Mahoning River. So he got sent to the big house. But he was able to sell his assets. And one of these injection wells is the record holder taking millions of gallons of toxic radioactive fracking waste. It's at Route 11, Route 7 and 76. And that's North Star Lucky. Okay, he sold to a company in Colorado called Bobcat Energy. However, all the employees are his old employees, DNL employees, and the injection well we're talking about today that Doug and John have been very active in doing sampling of water around is um, on the east side of Youngstown and it's right next to this beautiful farm with a beautiful lake where the developmentally disabled go and take care of animals. There's llamas, there's peacocks, there's pigs, there's a whole farm full of animals. Right next to it is the Bobcat Energy Injection Well which has had spill after spill. And it doesn't seem that any regulations apply to them. They haven't been held accountable. Um, Back on June 24, 2017, they put out a press release, which was widely covered in our newspaper, which is very frack uh, industry friendly and covers nothing about us or the facts. And They had a gusher coming up out of this injection well, so they said, well, we plugged the well back. So all the lay people, you know, all the citizenry just thought, oh, they closed that well. Well, what it was, was they plugged it up to a higher level than the Precambrian basement, which those guys will elaborate on. And that's when the earthquake was caused by that other injection well, because we have transform faults up here. So the American Geophysical Union helped Dr. Ray Byersdorfer research that, and we found that that other injection well that caused the huge earthquake um, did so because it aggravated a fault. So this injection well was supposed to never be open because it's only seven miles away, and we still have these faults. So they figure we're going to put 500 feet of concrete in the bottom of this thing. And now it's ready to inject into. So ever since then they've been injecting, they built their big waste, um, you know, storage tanks. And the reason I called you and said, we need coverage is yet again, a citizen who was trying to document a spill and a dumping when they had an electrical failure there after a, um, thunderstorm was arrested for videoing this and calling attention to this but the company wasn't even given a slap on the wrist for dumping all of this radioactive toxic fracking waste over their containment wall into a field and down into this
0: lake. So in comes Doug and John. Have you been involved in the whole issue of the injection wells from the beginning or are you a relatively newcomer?
2: Well, actually, I I was teaching up in Wisconsin. Diana and I kept an apartment up there, and our home is down here, Trumbull County. So I was home for a visit one summer, and I was perfectly content at that time to think about moon rocks and stuff like that. And Diana says, we're going to go to a demonstration over in Pennsylvania. (laughs) And it was about some of the first frack wells. And the whole thing just thoroughly depressed me. It depressed me because like, I, like it says in the bio, I went to University of Montana. I had met biologist Barry Commoner. I had gone to see in a very small group setting, Amory Lovins, the physicist who had come up with soft energy pathways back in the 70s. You know, these guys were talking about the lack of an energy policy that this country has, and now it's even worse. There's the, the talk out there about energy is, you know, I expect more from a seventh or eighth grader, you know, and it's really, it's heartbreaking. So I get pulled into this and, but for me, it was always the big picture thing. I thought about, uh, you know, well, there's a L. David Roper, a physicist um, who wrote a paper quite a few years ago on depletion theory, and his two principles are quite simple. You just look at a picture from space. The Earth is finite. Therefore, anything within the Earth is finite. Things are going to run out. And then Barry Commoner had his three principles of ecology. He said, one, everything is connected to everything else. Two, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Three, you can't even break even. Now, those last two principles were statements of the first and second law of thermodynamics. Nobody has ever found a violation of this. So there are limits. And yet we have an industry that actively in the area brings in speakers to say, there's no limits. Wow. People believe that somehow there's more stuff is being made deep in the earth. And there's no evidence for that whatsoever. You know, it's abiotic oil and stuff like that. There's, it's just crazy. And it frustrates me to no end. You try to talk about it and it's like just this door. No one wants to hear it. But, um, you know, I look at this and I see it's like I don't hate fossil fuel. It's a precious resource. But what we're doing is, one, we're squandering it. Why are we doing all this drilling and fracking? Most of it's going into pipelines to be shipped overseas to to be made into plastic products no one needs. You know, this is not about heating your home or energy for your car or whatever. And then secondly, Pennsylvania doesn't want the waste. So what do they do? They conveniently shove them just across the border in Ohio with no consideration of the geology. And it was our old friend Ray Reisdorfer who pulled me into the conference room one evening after a talk and we lay out the geological map and we've got these faults. They're all east-west strike-slip faults. And Ray says, what does this look like? And they're down in what's called the Grenville Province that's in the pre-Cambrian. It's about 9,9500 9,000 feet down around here. And Ray says, what, what does this look like? And I look at him, I said, transform faults, and mid-ocean rift. You know, some ancient evidence, some ancient continental drift from like close to a billion years ago. So like we drill down and we awake something that should have been left asleep, you know. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then I start to see this whole global picture of this. And this is the thing is there's no consideration. It's kind of just this cowboy drill, baby drill. There's endless amounts of this stuff down there, and there's not. Because the other principle we're up against is Hubbard's Peak. And that's the idea that the point is um, what happens is when it starts to cost as much energy to get energy out of the ground, it's a losing, it's a losing prospect. Tracking.
0: Doug, I'm going to go on. I want to find out from John and I'll be back because I, have, I know that you have a lot that you can share with us. John, how did you get involved in this issue of Youngstown Water?
3: Well, again, it, it started, um, I'm the director of the Center for Environmental Research and Education, and we do a lot of outreach. And it was clear that, um, you know, especially in Pennsylvania, um, we don't regulate drinking water well construction and we were hearing a lot about contamination. But even in our drinking water, commercial, you know, municipal drinking water, there were issues back in you know, when this industry started ramping up, you know, 2008, 2009. And we discovered that the composition of, so you, you know with fracking that you inject you know, tens of millions of gallons of fluids, and a bunch of that comes back up. And the more time it spends down on the ground, the saltier it gets. So, they're generating a certain amount, you know, they're, they're, drilling, uh, they're generating millions of gallons of liquid waste. And what do you do with it? And so, I, again, and, uh, you know, Doug mentioning some of these principles. One is the solution to pollution is dilution. Well, they started taking this waste to our municipal waste treatment plants. So, they were diluting it one in 100. But the stuff was so salty, it was turning the three rivers of Pittsburgh into marine systems which I'm very familiar with in my background. So that immediately attracted me. I'm like, oh, this is like the stuff that I, you know, go to the beach to study. But this is Pittsburgh, this is Youngstown, this is Ohio, and Pennsylvania, West Virginia, it's like we're freshwater. And um, so it turned out that a lot of these sources that they were contaminating were sources of drinking water. So municipal drinking water. So we discontinued that, but the waste continued. And why they're, you know, Pennsylvania, where I am in Pittsburgh, why we're shipping our waste to Ohio is because they've decided that, again, another phenomenon, a hole in the ground is something you put waste in. So that Ohio has all these injection wells. Well, great. That's what we're going to do. We're going to ship it to, because apparently the geologists in Pennsylvania said, well, we don't have the geology to support this where in in truth Ohio doesn't either because they get earthquakes. So anyway, following that, you know, a a few years later uh, I get a report that the Meander Reservoir has got high levels of bromide and that's a source of drinking water. And what's bromide? Well, it's part of the waste from the industry. How is it getting there? And then the earthquakes with the injection wells, it's like, okay, here we go again. Things that sound like normal logical solutions for standard operating procedure of getting rid of certain toxic waste are not working with oil and gas waste now because it's so toxic, so concentrated. And again, I, I'm a member of the American Geological Union or AGU, and uh, they have an outreach program called uh, AG, uh, AGU Thriving Earth Exchange. So the combination of me being, you know, a, a a chair of outreach at Duquesne University, it was a natural for me to be involved with AGU, and that's how I met these folks. And so we yeah. I'll
0: break right there because this is Grassroot Ohio, and I'm Carolyn Harding, and today I'm talking with Lynn Anderson, Doug Fowler, and John Stoltz, all citizens and several of them are scientists working on the frac waste issue from the injection wells in the Youngstown area. I'd like to ask you, um, Doug, how did you get involved Like practically? I hear you've done some water testing in um, Youngstown water areas. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Well, the water testing is fairly recent most of my involvement was kind of on the sidelines. Here were all these people like Lynn and Ray, you know, Ray Byersdorf, the geologist, who were wonderful at getting signatures. and uh, I wasn't very good at that sort of thing, but I ended up trying to do a series of lectures, and uh, some of those were successful. Others were not successful, like speaking to the park board and, or downtown in Youngstown to the chamber, or not the Chamber of Commerce, but the city council. You know, those are difficult. So that was all very discouraging. And that's why earlier I said my frustration. It's like trying to talk to people about this stuff.
0: I know that your Bill of Rights um, has been frustrated um, and you've worked really hard at it. We'll get back to that. But I really want to talk about what you're doing as far as science goes right now about the water. Let's get uh, uh, Lynn. Okay.
1: What happened is... Um, We had an opportunity in 2019 to get some hexane bags from Ohio Northern University that were extra from a Thriving Earths lab uh, project down in Southern Ohio. And um, Maria, Diana, Diana, put your head in there at Doug Square. Diana, Maria, and I went out with the hexane bags, and we sampled by area injection wells and frac wells. Um, on Mother's Day 2019 and they were supposed to stay in the water uh, for a month so we gathered them up on Father's Day and um, sent them with um, Leetra Harper who's the um, 501c3 organization um, Freshwater Accountability. She took them up to Ohio Northern University and Dr. Spees analyzed them and said yes there's um, Uh, xylene and this, and toluene and this, and ethylbenzene and this, and these are indicator chemicals of fracking waste. So that's when I applied for the Thriving Earth uh, Labs project to help our community test our water and we got accepted in July of uh, 2019. And then Doug is one of the water samplers and Dr. Stoltz uh, at Duquesne University is one of the analysts of the water samples.
0: So um, Dr. Stoltz, tell us a little bit about what you're doing with these samples. Okay, so uh,
3: we're taking a variety of different samples uh, at, at specific sites. The idea, of looking for as, as Lynn said, these signatures. Um, I do light hydrocarbons, looking for things like methane and ethane, etc. Uh, but we also look at the salts and the metals, and uh, because we know, and and you know, I've published on this, that the waste from uh, these fracked wells uh, has have certain chemical signatures. And because they're so salty, even when they do get diluted, you can still find these chemicals. And so that's what we're, we're actually doing. So we take uh, one set of samples for the metals, one set of samples for the, the salts, another set of samples for the organics, and collaborators, including Chris Bees and um, Brandon <laughs> from Wayne State, um, that they're they're testing for various parameters that we know can be associated. Because again, if you're not watching, these you know these things are getting into the drinking water. They're getting into our source water for, for the drinking water.
0: Are they in um, like uh, little ponds? Are they in creeks? Are they in wells? Where are you actually getting these water samples from?
3: It, it, it depends. So, for instance, this last trip, we had a couple of folks with kayaks, and they got out onto the Meander River, a Mahoning rather, Mahoning River. Uh, another group, uh, I sampled an outflow from the Meander Reservoir. And um, and then other folks were went to other, so it's a combination of creeks, the lake at uh, the, the Purple Cat Farm. And uh, again, we're looking for these specific parameters that would indicate that they've been contaminated by oil and gas waste. And what have you found? Well, so far, depending on where, we, we, we have seen some evidence. Other places are pretty clean. But again, you know, we, we were just out. Uh, and of course, COVID kind of Throw a wrinkle into everything. It's kind of complicated my ability to get access to a particular lab where we we test for the metals. So um, I've been a little tardy in my results, but uh, we're at the stage now we we're compiling everything.
0: How about you, Doug?
2: I was involved in looking for some sites, and uh, in fact, two sites we had along Lipke Road uh, where two different drainages join up to flow into Leander Reservoir in one drainage is a frack well that's been operational for many years. I forget the name of that well. The uh,
1: Brennemeier
2: well, that's it. And what's interesting, those preliminary results showed that in the one sample site, you do get slight elevated levels of chemicals, as opposed to the other site that's not draining a frack well. So granted, you know, you're going to need a whole lot more evidence than that. But still, there's some indication there that, that these things are in and
3: it also shows up in the drinking water in the sense that some of these chemicals react with chlorine.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So yeah. when, when the, in the last stage if they in, you know, disinfect it before they send the drinking water into the pipes, um, they chlorinate it. And they, you know, as a result of these fracking chemicals, it creates what they call trihalomethanes, chloroform and bromoform. And these are regulated by the EPA. The water authorities have to report this. And again, you see that there's been reported that these issues in the Ohio, the Youngstown region.
1: Yeah. That is the key thing that happened to us in um, March of 2015. There was a spill or a dumping, we don't know what, into Sulphur Run, which made its way to the Meander Reservoir um, water processing plant that uses chlorine. As Dr. Stoltz says, it created brominated trihalomethanes at a level that was unsafe to drink. So the U.S. EPA cited us. Uh, The cleanup of that spill went from March uh, 2015 to September, or wait, uh, May 2015. And then in September 2015, the US EPA sent out um, you know, to the Youngstown public water system, you are in violation of safe drinking water, you have um, brominated trihalomethanes in your water. And <laughs> us water customers didn't get the thing until January of 2016. Mm-hmm. So this is the seed of all of this water sampling that we're trying to do because You know, nobody's on top of this stuff, and we don't want this in our drinking water. And the Grenemeyer well is right next to our drinking water reservoir. It has had a large build-out of uh, storage tanks of waste. It has a pipeline, the Blue Racer pipeline, transporting the fracked, um, um, what do you call it, Utica shale uh, gas through a pipeline, the Blue Racer pipeline for export. So this is near our reservoir. We don't have anybody monitoring this. Our ODNR, as you know, is a
0: captured agency in this state. Right. Are there just like minor traces of pollution of, of dangerous chemicals, or are you seeing um, concerning levels um, in your in your studies? Or, and are you just beginning to see um, pollution rising because of the influx of all the um, millions of gallons of frack waste that's injected in the Youngstown area. Can you give me an idea of how serious this is, Dr. Stoltz?
3: Well, again, this, you know, for this group, we've only gone out once, and we're planning on going out again very shortly. Uh, As I said, we were limited by COVID, but um, no, historically, you just have to look at what's been going on in the Youngstown area since 2009 or so um, with the buildout. But again, you know, these things can be periodic, they can be episodic. An important thing to realize is that even though the water authorities have to test every month, it's only after four straight quarters, which is a full year, do they have to report to the consumer. So even though they're reporting to the EPA, and they could be, if they're, if they're out of compliance, you know, three quarters out of four, they still don't have to tell the folks that are turning their tap on that, that for, you know, three quarters of the year, they've been out of compliance for this, for these chemicals. And, and so that's why it's really important for us to get out there and, and test for this stuff because, you know, I've even uh, changed my lab. I've got a new piece of equipment to actually test for trihalomethanes, because as I said, they only have to report quarterly and it's only after four straight quarters of violation that they send off the notice to the, the, the consumer.
0: Okay, we have one minute. How can people get more information about your study, Dr. Stoltz?
3: Well, they can uh, write to me at stolz at duq.edu. I've tried not to put it on Facebook or anything like that because again, it it gets hacked, but uh, they can contact us at the center.
0: Okay, and how about your efforts, Lynn and Doug in Youngstown? What websites?
1: Well that's the Thriving Earth Labs uh Youngstown project and um I don't have the website memorized, but you go under www.thrivingearthlabs, Thriving earth labs and then search for Youngstown and it'll tell you exactly, you know, what the um methodology is, um, what we're doing, how we're sampling. And we're gonna go back out very soon. We only had one round so far. And um, we're going to keep monitoring this because
0: we're the only ones monitoring it. Well, that's our time. Thank you so much. I look forward to hearing more updates about what's going on up in Youngstown and and your work in protecting it. Thanks so much. Thank you. In addition to our Friday 5 p.m. broadcast on WGRN, Grassroot Ohio will now air on Sundays at 2 p.m. on WCRS-FM. 92.7 and 98.3 FM. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Grassroot Ohio, 94.1 FM, WGRN.org. We air Friday nights at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can listen to all our previous shows archived on the top post of our Grassroot Ohio Facebook page. There's a time to listen and learn, a time to organize and strategize, and a time to stand up, fight back.